Man, wild times. Oh yeah. Very, very wild. All right, I'm good. Let's rock and roll. All right, let's go ahead and get started. So hello, everybody. Good morning. And thank you for joining us on another episode of South Florida Real Estate Radio with myself, Mac Yelling, and my co-host and partner in crime, Dave Magua. Hi, Dave. How are you this morning? Matt, I'm good. How are you doing? Good, man. It's, it's been a uh, very, yeah, very, very busy uh, first three to four months of the year. So, uh, but before we get into kind of the state of the market and what we're going to discuss today, I just wanted to share some uh, updated results on the podcast with you. There's the puppy. So so we've got 94% of our uh, geographic listeners are in the United States. So 6% of our listeners are outside with the top countries being Canada, Ireland, Slovakia, Israel, Germany, Brazil, and the UK. Wow. So pretty interesting, right? Well, that looks like people looking to move to the States or interested in what's going on here. Yeah, definite, definite high interest from out of state and out of country in South Florida, no doubt about it. Uh, within the country, 69% of our listeners are uh, from Florida, and then the other 31% of the listeners in the United States are from other areas in the country. Um, so the number one area still is Washington, the state of Washington. That was number one a couple months ago as well. Ohio's number two at 3%. Washington was 6% of our listeners. Texas, 2%. New York, 2%. Virginia, 1%. Minnesota, 1%. New Jersey, 1%. So those are our top 10. Yeah, it's really, really cool. So as far as demographics for age, um, our number one demographic is the 23 to 27-year-old, which is 26% of our listeners. And then followed by the 28 to 34 year olds are 23% of our listeners. Uh, Yeah. So roughly half of our listeners are anywhere from 23 to 34. Wow. Yeah. That's one demographic I would not have thought of. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Tell us a little bit about what you've been up to Dave and kind of what you've been doing the last couple months. Well, last couple of months has been um, seven days a week, almost 16-hour days, broken up into two sections. Um, our listings are selling in phenomenal time. Um, we keep them on the market for a period of seven days purposely. I could sell them in an hour if I wanted to, but we are doing a special marketing program that Matt and I worked on that presents um, the house to the market for seven days and gets that seller highest and best offer way above what they are praising for and even way above our asking price. So that's being one part of the busyness. The second busyness is being on the other side of that coin with people coming into town that want to move here and are making a lot of offers on properties. Um, And we probably are hitting between 10 and 20% of those offers are getting executed, but there's a lot of competition. So there's a lot of pressure, a lot of running around, a lot lot of preparation. So that's pretty much what we've been doing for the last three to four months solid. Nice. So, yeah, I've been obviously really busy the, you know, first three, four months of the year as well. 
And, uh, you know, I've helped six people list their houses and sell their houses and then seven buyers uh, buy new places, most of them from out of state, uh, one from Maine, one from New York, and then so on. But, uh, but each one of those seven buyers, every one of them has been a multiple offer situation in a bidding war. So that's been really interesting. And then, you know, I've been focusing a lot at the end of last year and the beginning of this year on new construction. So I've got three, uh, three new homeowners that are coming into new constructions and that are currently having their houses built. So that's really exciting. But the whole dynamics of new construction are also changing uh, right now as well. And then I've helped to believe it or not, I've helped one investor buy a duplex up in Port St. Lucie. So that was pretty cool. So that's from a work standpoint. From a personal standpoint, um, I took advantage of very, very low mortgage interest rates. And I, uh, I refied my house and that I bought, I think it was probably 2015 or 16. So, you know, whatever, roughly about five, six years ago when I was in at 4.25%. I refied at 2.25% and went from a 30-year fix down to a 15-year fixed and basically kept my payment the same, but cut my time down to 15 years. So I was really, really happy about that. And then I also bought an investment property, uh, bought a little duplex, you know, put in some new flooring, some new appliances, fixed it up a little bit. And then rented it out, and I'm renting one side for a thousand bucks a month, and the other side for nine hundred bucks a month. So you know, making about nineteen hundred dollars a month in cash flow on that. So been really, really busy the first three or four months of this year so far. Yeah, that is that's exactly what is indicative of market. Just what you're doing makes total sense, and that's one of the reasons what's driving this market is those, those interest rates. Um, both you and I have done the same thing. You refied and purchased a second home. I moved to Jupiter and bought a, a, a larger property and utilized the, the lower interest rate and landed up with a lower payment than I had on the other property just because we took the opportunity and used the interest rate. And by the way, interest rate as of this morning is again below 3% on a 30-year fixed. So it's just ridiculous. It's almost calling it funny money. Yeah, so there's a lot of speculation around interest rates going up, significantly going up by the end of the year. Um, I've seen it kind of come up and then come back down. Like, what do you what do you kind of see in with interest rates? If the interest rate, and this is just my point of view, please, I'm, I'm just uh, another realtor out there. Interest rate, if it does rise, is going to be controlled and manipulated to rise for one reason only, and it's going to be for inflation. Right now, um, we are spending money as the consumers, and it's a little out of control. So the, the Fed is playing a game of being kind of on the fence. Do I increase it or don't I? If they, they do or they make a sound that they're going to, everything kind of ruffles and the feathers start flying. So I don't think it's going to happen right away. They can't do it until the economy starts to become more solidified. And then they will slowly do those increases. And when that does, don't expect big increases. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, I mean, look, 
if it does go towards 3.5, 3.75, maybe even 4%, um, you know, my personal opinion is that the market's still going to be strong because comparatively speaking, it's still historic low interest rates. And, um, you know, like you alluded to with the rate of inflation, inflation, when inflation is superseding interest rates over years, um, you know, then basically you're almost kind of like getting a free loan, if you will. Totally. Look, and, and if you're looking as an investor right now and you're looking to use leverage and, and now's the time to do it because on an average, most investors are going to be looking for what we call a net return of between five and eight percent. So they want to make sure that they're making between five and eight percent on their money that they put in. And if you use that leverage in, in the interest rate that you're using on the mortgage, you're going to get that. So this is just prime time and prime opportunity. Yep. So let's get into maybe uh, some examples of sellers. Um, you know, kind of what have you been seeing the last couple months with your sellers? Okay. First and foremost, the biggest problem that we're having with sellers right now is that a lot of folks do want to sell. And they should be coming to market, but they are so nervous. And rightfully so, because they can sell, but they can't find something else, be it an upgrade or a downgrade in the market, in the local market where they want to be. Unless they're moving out of state, that's a different issue and that will work for them. But if they're not, they're kind of stuck, so they don't want to move. That's one of the reasons why the inventory is not moving. We've got loads of people who want to move. They just can't move because there's nothing out there to move to. So the people that are in a position who own investment property, who are relocating and have a real reason that they have to sell, the opportunity is fantastic. And you've got to be so careful when we actually list these properties right now. Whereas in the past, we would absolutely look at uh, what we call past sales to kind of get a value of what the property should sell for. In today's market, because it's moving up so quickly, we only use that as the first indicator. We then have some other analytics that we use as listing agents to get us in line and a little over where the market is today, just to get the listing on the market and sold. And believe it or not, People are coming and are buying these houses all day long. So as listing agents, it's, it's tough. We're getting multiple, multiple, multiple offers on properties, way over market. Many, many cases, um, these folks are paying substantially over what the property will appraise for, worth in the form of cash. They are looking at very, very short due diligence and inspection periods. Used to be 10 to 15 days on an average. They're doing it for less. I even had one the other day on one day. So mm -hmm. all the things have changed. So as listing agents, you've got to be aware of choosing the right offers. So that's very important. Yeah, I mean... When I'm listing a house at this point, I'm usually building a spreadsheet. Uh, my highest has been 35 offers on one unit. Uh, and then 
my most recent unit's got six offers on it now coming into the weekend and we'll make a decision probably Saturday night on that. But I put it all in a spreadsheet for the seller so that they can kind of see it. And then we work through the analytics and select the highest and best offer. And sometimes the highest price offer is not necessarily the best. Totally agree. Um, we made an offer and I'm going to use this. This is actually a, a, live, a living offer right now. We made an offer for the property and I know there's multiple offers and I know, I know the specific seller is local and they're probably going to live local. So they're going to need somewhere to go. So what we did in this case is we gave him his full asking price, but we also added a post occupancy into it for 15 days to that seller for free so that he could move at his leisure. Yeah. That kind of thing that took what we call terms and conditions make up all the difference, not always purchase price. You're right, man. Yeah. I've done a uh, lease or a uh, buy lease back situation as well. So where the buyer was willing to buy the house and give the seller uh, lease the house back to the seller for a couple months until they were able to pur purchase their own house and, and move. So yeah, all kinds of um, different strategies to use to help sellers obviously get the most money they possibly can and then uh, be able to find their next place or go where they need to go. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Now the average profit for home sellers has increased roughly about 26% year over year. So they're getting 26% more for their house this year than they were at the same time last year. Sure. That is unprecedented in our marketplace, even when we had the boom between 2004 and 2006. Mm -hmm. It is just amazing. Yeah. And there's, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but there's many, many statistics that show that what we're in right now is far different from, you know, 2004, five and six. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, what are you seeing kind of on the buy side? Buy side, okay. The market is definitely changing. We still have um, quite a few local folks looking to purchase. Mm -hmm. The majority of the people that we've seen moving and coming into the area that are really affecting these huge 26% uh, increases year, year over year are the people from the north. And, and, and the West, California is one of the biggest um, states moving into Florida. Mm -hmm. And for the first time ever recorded, California today has a negative growth rate of people leaving. It's, yes. it's been the opposite. Yes. And guess what? I know for sure they're part of those 1,000 people a day moving to Florida. Correct. And you've got your New York people coming down. Now, both those, when I say New York, the Tri-County area especially, um, the three boroughs, they, they definitely have a lot of money to spend in comparison to what they sold for compared to what they're seeing over here. They are also almost pressure buying. That's what I'm seeing with buyers. Right. Yeah, I mean, on, from my standpoint, as um, there's, I have a lot of out-of-state buyers that are looking for something. Um, it's obviously tough to find for them, but when we do find it, 
you know, it's generally speaking, if it's good condition, uh, looks good and uh, priced accordingly, it's multiple offer situations to where we're having to build in escalation clauses and really partner with the sellers to really kind of figure out what the uh, best optimal situation for them is depending on the person in the house and then catering the offer around that. Yes. And it takes, yeah, it takes a lot of work to, you know, to win a bid in a multiple, multiple offer situation. But to go back to what you said earlier about, you know, Cal- California being in a deficit of more people leaving uh, than coming in and us being at roughly about a thousand people coming in a day, that dynamic and demographic right there is what's really fueling the South Florida market. Totally agree. You know, when you have a surplus of buyers every single day at a thousand in the state, you know, it's we're going to be in a shortage of housing. And, you know, it just comes down to a simple supply and demand again. Yep. And then you're adding the, the, the problem that, that people here, uh, when I say people here, the local folks who have real estate can't sell. So instead of there being 10 houses that these folks could look at, they might be down to three or four or five at max. And that now causes a huge, huge issue. Yep. So let's get into some statistics uh, real quick. And uh, so let's take supply first, since we just chatted about that a little bit. So, you know, a balanced market is roughly anywhere between, you know, five, four and a half, six months of inventory would be considered roughly a balanced market. Yep. Currently, we are at 1.4 months of inventory, and that is in Broward County. In Palm Beach County, we're sitting at 1.2 months of inventory. That's outrageous. Yeah. So last year at this same time, and granted, we were kind of shut down for a little bit in May last year. We were just kind of coming out of the shutdown from March and April. We were at 4.1 months of inventory. Wow. So, so you said 4.1. What are we right now? One? 1.2 in Palm Beach County and then 1.4 in Broward County. Now, let, let me highlight some notable cities for us in each county. So Weston is currently at 0.7 months of inventory, under one month. Coral Springs is 0.6 months of inventory. Pembroke Pines, 0.7 months of inventory. In Palm Beach County, you've got Boca at 1.3 months of inventory. West Palm Beach at 1.4 months of inventory. Jupiter is at 0.9 months of inventory. So that just kind of gives you an idea of some of the local areas and kind of where they're at from an inventory standpoint. There was one community that I looked in a couple days ago, Dave, for a client that was interested in that community. There's 1,700 houses in this huge subdivision. Wow. 1,700 houses. There were eight houses available for sale. That is totally unprecedented. That is, I did the same thing yesterday for uh, a community called Western Hills Country Club in Broward County. Mm-hmm. There were 10 houses for sale out of 2,500 houses in the division. And two of them were under a million. Everything was over a million. That has never happened in the history of that subdivision, ever. Yeah. 
So, yeah, you could probably jump in. I know in my personal subdivision where I live now, we haven't had a house come on the market in probably about three months. And the last couple that did come on the market in the beginning of the year in January were scooped up within a week. Yeah, that is, that's very, very normal. So, you know, in the old days, uh, say 10, 15 years ago, we would talk about numbers of, say, 300,000 has been kind of like a medium, quadruple that almost. Um, most, of, most of the fairly good real estate only starts today at 500, 600 upward. And, and, and when I say good, that is almost like an average home these days. Yeah. So demand is extremely strong still. Um, I don't think demand has gone down very much, um, you know, and buyers are literally snatching up listings as quickly as they come on to come on to the MLS. Yep. I'm actually, I'm sure you're getting the same thing. As soon as um, somebody hears that you might be getting a listing, your phone is ringing, you're, you're getting texts, but even before it even goes live and you haven't even signed the paperwork or well, the paperwork isn't even dry yet. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, it's a great time to be a seller, but in the same breath, it's also a great time if you're able to find a home that's actually going to fit your needs. So you take the opportunity if you can, and you're going to have to bid hard, and all the thinking and all the learning and and all the history that we have learned as consumers when we purchase a property is out the door. So. Choose a realtor who understands the market and knows where things are going and is able to break it down and analyze it for you, or you're going to be very disappointed many times before you find a property. So we're starting to come into the uh, summertime and, you know, that's traditionally a pretty hot market for South Florida due to families wanting to move, uh, get their school districts situated, make sure their kids kids and family are kind of moved in and ready to go for the opening of a new school year. Do you, in, in the past, that's been traditionally pretty busy. Do you foresee the summer market being pretty busy? Okay. If anything, if the month of May is anything to go by, I think it's going to be worse than ever. And meaning it's going to be even hotter. If it was 90 degrees a year, two, three years ago, it's going to be 120 degrees now. The demand for school district is phenomenal. Anything in a good school district right now, or even a school district, is getting scooped up. And I don't think it's going to cool down anytime soon. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when you look at school districts and some of the good ones, for example, like in Boca or whatever, when a house comes on the market in those good school districts, buyers are literally paying hundreds of thousands of dollars over um, you know, kind of mar- fair market value to get into that school district. It's uh, pretty crazy right now. Yeah. Those, west, those west sections in Boca Raton right now um, are, are very driven by new construction and also driven by school district. And the inventory in both those markets are super, super low. And when something comes up, it is getting so overbid and People know this. Buyers know that. So that, that they're walking into an opportunity knowing that if a house is valued at $100,000, that they're going to be paying 110 to 130 and coming up with the difference of that 10 to 30,000 just to get a roof over their head 
in a good area or a good school district or school district. Yeah. So just put some numbers behind the kind of uh, month's supply of inventory. So uh, last year at this point in time in, let's see, Broward County, there were 5,669 homes for sale in mid-May of last year. This year, there are 2,000 368 homes for sale. So it's almost a 60% less listings in Broward County. Okay. Now, now that number, you and I spoke about that number about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Only at 50. Now it's 60. Yep. So, so you, you, got, you got to know if that's what's going on and it's, it's getting, we in May, you've got June and July still left in this, the, the hot summer months. It's going to get wild out there yep and then uh and then south palm beach county is even worse it's negative 69 percent so an additional nine percent less in southern palm beach county man i don't even know where where to turn it or say something but i do know that i know the feel that i have the tension and the pressure that i have when i'm with folks that are buying right now is exactly what you're saying when you analyze it because it's out there and they know that if they don't do these things that are totally unprecedented in real estate right now, they're not going to get a roof over their head. Yep. Uh, And then a couple others as far as pricing. So, you know, this high demand and low inventory is what, you know, is giving us this big price appreciation. So the median sales price in Broward County is uh, currently 445000 which is up 16% from last year at 385000 last year. Wow. That's nuts. And then in Palm Beach County, let's see. Uh, it's roughly almost spot on. Uh, it's up 17.5%. And if I'm, if I'm quite on the other side of this, Mike, there's a reason. Because I don't have words. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But again, you go with a minimal, minimal supply and heavy, heavy demand. This is what's happening in the market. And I've had clients on the buy side where we've won bidding wars where you know, they've paid 50, 60, $100,000 over, you know, what a, an evaluation or a current market, you know, for that neighborhood was giving us. Uh, but that's what it's taking to win some of these wars. Yeah. You know, it's like you look at it and you say, that's the value going back 30 days, never mind 90. And then, then you start adding and you say, all right, 16, 17%. You do that. And sometimes you even have to go higher just to win the bid. Yep. So, so those are some stats, um, you know, directly, latest stats directly from the MLS. Uh, what kind of other challenges are you seeing on the buy side or, or sell side for your clients? Okay, definitely. All right. Now, with all this pressure taking place, um, you've got to know that the, the, the vendors involved in these real estate transactions are also feeling the same same pressure and tension. So I'm going to start with a couple of different guys that are involved in, in that transaction. One would be 
an inspection company. So something that has changed dramatically is we used to be able to do an inspection in a usual a 10 to 15 day period after we signed a contract with everybody. Now we can't because now we're bidding against everybody and that period has changed. So these poor vendors are also under the gun and they have to do things almost so quickly. So make sure that you have good vendors that are available and not only have one, not only have two, maybe three or four that you have on speed dial that can actually help you to execute a contract so that that specific term works well for you. Another major problem is how people are using mortgage companies. Mortgage today can't be a qualification letter. It's already past the stage of being a full approval. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a full approval, what's that in, in, in real terms, in consumer terms? What that means is that if you're doing a mortgage, all your paperwork has already been given to the lender. Lender has gone through it, gone through what we call phase one underwriting, confirmed everything, verified everything, and given you a stamp. All they're looking for is a property to attach to it to close. So choose good lenders. So have one or two really good ones who can do this for you. If you don't have that, you're going to have a problem. Thirdly, make sure that you're using great title company. Um, they, they are almost um, the quarterback as well to put this thing together and keep it together and keep it running online. What I've seen for the first time in a really long time Sellers are quite comfortable allowing a contract to be cancelled. Whereas before, it was, they would hold it because they had a buyer. Now they don't care because they know if they lose the, the, the contract they have now, with this movement going up so quickly, that the next offer is going to be better. Yep, and you see, you're actually seeing that new home construction as well. Yep, run those numbers, uh, those ones. How they're going up over there? Uh, which ones? <laughs> I, can, I can give you a very specific example to where um, I've got a client that I just rented um, one half of my duplex to, to that is building up in um, the Port St. Lucie area, and. So they rented our our place and are going building their house and it's supposed to be ready at the beginning of next year. So about a year from now. Okay. And they just got a letter from the builder that said, Hey, you know, due to, due to supplies and constraints and the cost of them, uh, we need to increase your home price by $50,000. Oh my God. So they were under contract. They're in the process of building. They picked out all their stuff. The builder comes back and says, we, we need an extra $50,000 from you. And if you can't or won't do it, then cancel the contract. You know, Matt, so they canceled the concert, contract. So what do you think the builder is going to do? He's going to just go to the next one. Who's going to pay the number? Correct. <laughs> is that absolutely what he's going to do? You know, that is the strangest thing because I was talking to one of my partners up in Boston um, last night and she asked me what's going on in this market. Is it, why is it skyrocketing? 
And she, what she brought up is she's right near Boston University. So it's a pretty hot area. Mm-hmm. And they're in the rental community. And everybody in the rental community is buying pre-construction around them. So she said, these are her words, my neighbors just canceled their home construction due to skyrocketing price of lumber. Because the builder said to them, sorry, the lumber price has gone up. You take it or you move. So they canceled and somebody took, took that buyer's place. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think the issue is, you know, obviously the price of supplies is going up, right? There's no doubt about that. But I think the builders personally, this is my feeling, is that the builders are also using that to then get a cancellation and then get 20, 50 or 100 grand more for the house when it's ready. Most definitely. I can, I can share this with you because now it is becoming common knowledge in the, in the marketplace with, with builders right now. In the past, if you were going to a new construction, you could walk in and they would be opening up a section of the development. You could have had, at the time, between 10 and 40 lots to choose from on an mm-hmm. Yep. Today, you walk in, there are no lots. Correct. So you'll go through the, the prequel with them yep. qualified, and, and they will give you everything, and you go and have that information, and you choose the model and everything that you want, and you get put on a list. Not yep. a VIP list anymore, just a list. Then um, when they open it up, they're going to open one or two lots at a time. Now listen to this, guys. This is totally unprecedented in pre-construction. They then contact all those buyers and say, right, the, the starting price on lot one, which is coming to market with that specific model, is a million dollars. That's what the last one sold for. Start there and please put your highest and best bid in. And that has to be with us within 24 hours. And proof of funds, be it cash, and with all those terms and conditions we spoke about, have to be in there. And guess what's happening? People are bidding against each other on that lot for that pre-construction and going way over the last sale. Yep. It's nuts. Yeah, I had uh, that exact situation happen out in uh, Arden. And, uh, you know, they, I think there was about 30 or 35 people on this list. And they went to this system just like you spoke about and put out that email. And then all 30 people were bid, uh, bidding against each other and it jacked the price up an extra 55000 That's totally amazing. Uh, I've never seen that before. But guess what? They, you can't say they are the problem. They are part of the problem. There are a whole bunch of things that are, are doing this and, and causing it. Right. And if there wasn't a demand and there wasn't a shortage, this wouldn't be happening. But that's the nature of the beast for the next three to four years. Yep. So tell me a little bit about like where you're seeing kind of the your own personal kind of forecast of the market, maybe start with short term and then maybe, maybe a little bit longer term. Okay. I can tell you for sure that um, what you see today is nothing like it was when the market went up in 2004 to 2006. The whole way we sold and purchased property then was very leveraged. 
a lot of high mortgages, first mortgage, second mortgage, all weird and wonderful. What you see today is the opposite. The, that leverage is very low with lots of equity going into these purchases. So the, the first thing you've got to get out of your head in the short term, no bubble. It's not going to happen. Not now. It just can't. Now, the next thing you've got to take into consideration is that the way we are doing forbearance through our, our, our government system is allowing a lot of folks to stay in their homes for a long time without having to pay, even though they should be coming to market. And what has helped them so much is what Matt said about that 16 to 17% rise year over, year over year. So as it's rising, that forbearance is less in cost than the rise. So they always got equity. So they're living in these homes for free. They will come to market someday, but not soon. And that part of the marketplace is not the marketplace where all this equity is being pushed into. So long term, I'm not even going to go there because I believe that inflation is going to affect us mm -hmm. short term. I'm talking one to three, maybe one to four years. What you see and feel right now is going to be indicative of, a, of what's going to be happening for us on an everyday basis. Yeah. So, you know, as far as my views on it, um, I agree. I think short term, we're not going to see anything really changing anytime soon. I think we are still going to have a supply issue for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, there's a lot of demographics that play into that. Uh, I'm not going to get into too many specifics now, but you have millennials, uh, Gen Z, that are some of the biggest um, generations uh, that are, you know, all now purchasing homes or want to own homes, whereas previously millennials really never wanted to own homes. The pandemic has changed that. They've gotten a little bit older and are ready to start families, which has changed that. So I, I think that demand is going to continue being there over the next couple of years. And I think we're going to have supply issues over the next couple of years, too. So we're going to continue seeing a very tight market. Uh, you know, we're going to continue seeing... Uh, appreciation over the next couple of years. Now, to your point, you know, we've been, I think, talking about forbearance and moratoriums and foreclosure and eviction moratoriums for well over a year now. And we've been kicking the can down the road for at least a year, maybe even a little bit longer at this point. Um, I do obviously, obviously think some of that's going to come to fruition, right? And it's going to be a lot. It's going to be more than probably what I would have expected maybe six months ago. But even though those numbers are going to be relatively high, um, I think uh, Realty Track has, I think, 2.1 people that are 90 days or behind in uh, their mortgages nationwide. So that number's huge. And uh, so a lot of it's going to come to fruition. But even when it does, I don't think it's really going to bring balance to the market. And that that becomes the problem. So that's kind of what I'm thinking is going to happen. You know, what I think is going to happen and what I want to happen are two different things. What I would like to happen is I would love to see some balance brought to the market. 
I would love to see a market where buyers would have a good opportunity to buy and not be very stressed out about it, like what I'm seeing with buyers. And, you know, obviously with sellers, I'd love to see them be able to maybe make a move, get closer to family, maybe get into the better school district that they want to, maybe upsize the way they want to or downsize the way they want to uh, without having to really stress out about, holy cow, if I sell my house that I'm in now to go to the area or one that I want, you know, I'm not going to be able to find something. So I want the market personally to come into better balance, but I don't foresee that happening. I feel exactly the same as you, Matt. I don't, I don't like this. This is not what, what residential real estate should be about. You know, this is about buying a home, a lifestyle right now. It's like, yes, that's part of it totally. But at the end of the day, I'm having to give up everything just to get that. And that's, that's very unusual. Yep. So uh, any other parting words of wisdom, Dave, or any other thoughts that uh, maybe we missed? Yes. Um, there's a, there's a, a, something I've noticed, and I spoke about this once before. There are a lot of folks, which we call our, our locals that are selling. And a lot of these folks are what we call our, our working class. What the problem I'm seeing with this is that when these folks sell, they're not staying here, Matt. They're moving away. Mm-hmm. So I do see that the demographic is changing. And I think we're going to, in the future, probably have a labor shortage in our area. Um, executives, there will be tons of them. But at the end of the day, I think labor might be something that's going to become an issue. Mm. I'm very interested to see how it's going to work. Wow. Yeah. But so I'll just end with some housing home price forecasts for 2021. So these are some adjustments that have been made uh, by some of the major players in the game. So the Mortgage Bankers Association is predicting a 10.3% appreciation in prices that's the highest out of all these main players uh for 2021 fannie mays updated their forecast to eight percent zelman and associates seven percent freddie mac six point six percent the nar national association of realtors six point six percent realtor.com five point seven percent so all of these big players average out to a housing appreciation over 2021 to 6.8%. Now take those numbers with a grain of salt. That's these are nationwide numbers. So we're looking at it from really a macro standpoint. If we jump into the micro standpoint, you know, we already talked earlier about 16% appreciation so far in Broward County and 17.5% in Palm Beach County. Um, you know, I can t- I, I foresee that for the rest of the year, those trends are probably going to continue about the same, maybe a tad bit lower than the beginning of this year. Yeah. They, and also, uh, we're very seasonal, as, uh, as you guys know, depending on, on what our weather looks like and, and what comes with hurricanes or doesn't come with hurricanes mm-hmm. as well. And that could be a good or a bad thing because that might even affect the pre-construction, slow it down even more. And come the other side of next year and the prices might even go up again. Yep. 
as far as mortgage rate projections for the rest of the year are concerned, so uh, Q2 and 3 of 2021 is projected to be roughly about 3.4. So Freddie Mac is 3.3, Fannie Mae 3.3, the Mortgage Bankers Association 3.6, and the NAR is predicting 3.2. In the last quarter, it rises slightly again to a total of 3.47. In Q1 of 2022, 3.6, and then Q2 of 2022, they were projecting 3.7. So, you know, if you are a buyer and you are looking for a place and you're pretty serious about it, you know, you could probably take a, you know, that's a, almost a, you know, three tenths to four, four tenths of a uh, swing from uh, right now to the beginning of next year. So you might want to take advantage of those mortgage rates while you can. It gives you a little bit more buying power. Definitely. Yeah, it, it's opportunity. And by the way, that that buying power is give, give oh, what is the, what is the, that interest rate that uh, I forgot the number anyway it, it, it sounds like a big jump but if you're on a tight budget and you're running your numbers yes it is but if you look at the big 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 picture um, let me just give you an idea um, if you had a hundred and eighty two thousand dollar mortgage that difference now to then is going to be 536 bucks so mm -hmm. 182 is a standard mortgage right now, guys. Very standard. So you know if you don't buy it today, that same mortgage then is going to cost you at least $540 more. Yep. So, so those are kind of the forecasts for appreciation and mortgage rates. Um, you know, depending on what happens, I know that there was a judge that overturned a uh, foreclosure moratorium. So that's still kind of in the works. But if that can does not get kicked down the road any further, which I believe they're, I believe they're trying to stop kicking the can down the road, to be honest with you, everything that I'm seeing, um, you know, so we do expect some, you know, increased activity in Q3 and Q4 with more foreclosures and pre-foreclosures uh, starting to hit the market. Yeah. I don't even know if they're going to get there, Matt. I don't think they're even going to get to that. To that pre they might get to pre-foreclosure, but I think they mm -hmm. because there's so much equity. Yeah, there's so many options. So they'll probably get to pre-foreclosure and then maybe not make it all the way. But that inventory will still come to market, which was we need. Desperately, desperately need. And, and, and I think when it comes, it'll sell quickly. And hopefully there will be a little bit of a slowdown with the movement in to the state and kind of give us some equilibrium. Yeah. Yep. And uh, just for reference, if you're interested in kind of seeing what's going on in the country and, and in your local area for foreclosure, um, you know, Realty Track is a really good website that you can use. Um, it actually breaks it down by uh, the country, then down by state, and then you can actually break it down, uh, you know, by um, counties. So, for example, uh, one in 12,182 homes as of March of 2021 nationwide is uh, inside some type of um, mortgage trouble to where they're behind on their mortgage. In Palm Beach County, so that's average, is one in 12,182 nationwide. Palm Beach County is one in 13,307 nationwide.
But then if you go down south into Broward and Miami, they're one in Broward is one in 6,946. Miami is one in 6,258. So, you know, yeah, lots of higher numbers down in Broward and Miami as far as potential pre-foreclosures, mortgage trouble behind on their mortgage and potential foreclosures. Now, if you compare to that to the center of the state of Florida, um, you know, you've got like Osceola at 4,000, one in every 4,821, Volusia, one in every 4,000 or 5,059. So, you know, you can see that in that Orlando area where a lot of things are around, uh, you know, hospitality, the service industry, hotels, uh, you know, the parks, so on and so forth, that they have a little bit more trouble up in that area in the state than we do down here. Most definitely. Yeah, th th those are good indicators. But guys, if you really want to get into the, the nuts and bolts of your subdivision, give Matt or myself a call and we can actually break it down for you and show you what's going on in your division. If your division consists of 500 homes, uh, it's nice to know uh, what that looks like. And we have... Um, good machines and software to do that, to help you guys. And that can help you make good decisions, not necessarily now, but maybe into the future. Yeah, I think that's a really good point too, Dave, because like, you know, I would, I would play devil's advocate and say, hey, can't you just get that information on realtor.com, Zillow, Redfin, whatever. And I guess the short answer would be, yes, you probably could, but those analytics are probably a month or two behind at best. That you're being very, very conservative. There, I'm being generous. I'm giving them. I'm giving them more, uh, more credit than they deserve. Probably. <laughs> we have to. We have to be deeper than that because most of those machines are just using data from their, their counties themselves, where a lien is, is put onto a property, and that's how they're gaining that access. But the stuff that we have is very, very different. We we are able to use outside sources that actually kind of works on who is in the forbearance. We use that and mm -hmm. look at, at the mortgage rates and, and the mortgages on the properties in the division. And, and the analytic can even tell us to a certain degree without that even happening yet that that specific property is at risk. Yeah. So if you want some really accurate data, definitely reach out to one of us or, or your preferred realtor for realistic, uh, up-to-date data. Um, you know, I'll just give you another example, Dave, because this one's kind of funny. So put a house on the market. It was like two weeks ago, roughly. And the Zillow's estimate was showing about 600000 roughly. Put it on the market for eight ninety nine, which of course... Is, is way higher than Zillow's estimate, and it wound up going for nine fifty. Uh, are you laughing at me? No, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at Zillow. I uh, know, isn't it? And guys, this is the thing: if you didn't have a realtor in that situation who knew the market and understood that uh, the, this property we're talking about is a very specific home that was completely renovated, but most people would not see that and they would take the Zillow um, estimate and say, gee, those people are absolutely nuts. Correct. Yep. That that house was rebuilt in 2018 to 2020. It's a brand new home. But that doesn't show on the, on the, the, the analytics that you see on the internet. 
Right, because the reality is the closest thing you could probably come to that house anywhere in Boca Raton would be maybe the Lotus. You got it. Absolutely. <laughs> and and then when you run that analytic, it's a deal of a lifetime. Yep. Because <laughs> Lotus is well over a million now. Yes. So, so things are, we're in a very unprecedented time. So one thing. All right, D- Dave. So if anybody needs your help or wants to get a hold of you, how do they, how do they get a hold of you? Best way to do it would probably be by phone or text. That direct number is 754-581-5077. Or if you want to go to um, our website or my website, all you got to do is type in dave.properties and that'll take you to our, our main website and you can put your info in there and we'll contact you. Uh, Matt, what's the best way for you? Uh, you can call me or text me at area code 954-295-7540. Um, you can hit me up on the Facebook or the Instagram at Mac Yelling Realtor. And, uh, and my website would be the same as Dave's, except for it's matt.properties. Yeah, they're the best. And, and, and if you ever want to get us and you want to know who we are, all you got to do is just type in our names on our favorite Google and you'll see who we are. You got you, know, you can go to our business pages. Um, everything is there, our testimonials, our history. And we, we're pretty much open to chat. And we're open to give good advice. Yep. So if you need anything, feel free to reach out with any questions, concerns. Guys, a pleasure. All right, Dave. Thanks for everything. Talk to you soon. You too. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thanks again for joining us for this episode of the South Florida Real Estate Radio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you got some great information out of it. Please leave us a rating. Please leave us a review. Please leave us some feedback. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. What are your big questions around real estate? Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Bye.